If you have your Bibles, they're probably already open to Colossians chapter 3. If you can stand with me, please. Verses 8 and 9, if you're able. The Apostle Paul is writing, it is the Word of God, it's God-breathed. And the Bible says, but now. Let me pause for a moment. How many know there's a now, there had to be a then? I'm glad the then is gone, aren't you? But now, you also put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Father, we are thankful today for who you are and the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. And I pray today, Lord, for all of those who name the name of Christ, that we would live our lives in a way that honor you. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. January 2024, can you believe it? Rick says you better write 2024 on your checks. I hope Pam bid on ours. But here we are in the first few weeks of a brand new year. And we hear cries like a new year, a new you. And I think all of us can understand the draw to a brand new fresh start. And I get it why we crave an entirely new prototype that hopefully paves the way for what the past failed to deliver. And we want to believe that what kept us from being our best selves last year doesn't control us this year. So we enter a new year with our arms raised, our fists clenched, and we're ready to get it. Raring to go. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful that God does not start from scratch every year. Think about that. Instead, our God renews us continually. Colossians 3.10. The Bible says, having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Our God makes all things new. He is continually renewing us. And I want to say today, our God doesn't need January 1st to help him out with that. He's continually working 
in our lives. New year, new you. Well, here in chapter 3 of Colossians, the Bible describes for us a new kind of life or a new you. I am so thankful I am brand new in Jesus Christ. I am so thankful that God is working in my life. And we hear in chapter 3, we're hearing an, a, a call, an invitation to live out our identity in Christ. My friend, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior, live like you're saved. Live like you were born again. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has already made us new. Thank you, Lord. So the hardest work is already done. The Bible says that that we are raised with Christ, and those who are raised with Christ have put off the old self, and we put on the new. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Colossians. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. To be hidden with Christ means our old ways are dying, and now our new life is hid in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, verse 3. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So in that sense, our life with Christ is a moment-by-moment renewal, whereby we always... we, we Make a choice. We choose to leave our old ways behind. The ones that were controlled by sin. The ones that were controlled by death. We leave that behind. And now we determine. We make a choice moment by moment to walk in Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you something, folks. The old life is hard to shake. Braces his ugly head up if we're not careful. We have to make a moment by moment choice To live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And every morning when we wake up, along with the sunrise, we have an invitation to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the many beautiful side effects of this new life is we have an increased awareness of God in our life. Aware that, uh, awareness that, uh, that involves other people as well. An awareness that softens our hearts uh, toward brothers and sisters in Christ and allows us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And my friend, whenever we are born again, whenever uh, we invite Christ into our heart, understand something, folks. The life changing of Jesus Christ should be evident in our lives. God has made a difference in our lives. So this morning, even though we're in the beginning of a new year, instead of aspiring to a culture of self-improvements, let's clothe ourselves with the same love and the same compassion and the same forgiveness that Jesus Christ has shown to us. Let's live lives of compassion, of love, and forgiveness. Now, we have to remember, the moment we got saved, we're as saved as we'll ever be. God declared us righteous. I'm very glad for that. 
We have been justified by faith. And my friend, by faith alone. Faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, now that we're saved, our spiritual lives have started a journey. Our life as a whole has started a lifelong journey where every day we are invited deeper and deeper into the heart of God. God wants us to continually know more and more about Him, but also about the abundant life He offers. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad that Jesus Christ has not just given me life, He has given me abundant life. He given me hope beyond this world. And I want to tell you something, folks. The best is yet to come. And what a day that will be. So my prayer is that together, as people captured by the heart of Jesus, that we would seek those things above and not things on this earth. Again, look at Colossians 3 verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So if we're born again, and by the way, uh, I mentioned that several months ago when we began this series. The if there is since, really, literally, since you're risen with Christ, because you are born again, we're to seek those things above. How many know the Bible gives a wonderful promise if we seek the kingdom of God first? Matthew six thirty three. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. I have a question. Can God lie? No. And Jesus says, the unsaved, the pagan man worries about life. He worries about what he'll eat or what he'll wear. And Jesus says to all of us, if we will seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, God will add all these things to us. I believe that, don't you? Now, that doesn't mean God will give you what you want. But he will give you what you need. God loves you this morning. And thank God he's on our side. But in order for us to seek the kingdom of God, the Bible says there's some things we've got to mortify. And things we have to put off. Again, chapter 3 of Colossians, I'm chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 5 and verse 8. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 8, but now ye put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. I sometimes forget this world's not my home. 
I sometimes forget when I see even members of my family and the way they live, and I don't mean my immediate family, thank God that our children are saved. We've got wonderful granddaughters. Great, 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 and I don't mean it, but wonderful grandchildren. I mean, I'm so glad I didn't shoot our kids when they were little. But God's been good to me. But I forget that what, I didn't always serve God. There was a time in my life when things were not right between me and, and my God. And before we were saved, all of, all of us were caught up in the world. And, and we lived our lives with, without any concern about none of these sins that Paul mentions here. Uh, we, we, we lived like sinners because we were sinners. And so the Bible tells us that at that time, we were dead in our sins. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive, thank you, Lord, together, that wasn't in there, thank you, Lord, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. We have been made alive in Christ. We were once dead. So all of the, all of those, the fact that we were dead in sin, all of that changed the moment you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He brought new life to us. And the Bible says, and Paul says here, because of our new life in Christ, there are some things we're to, we're to put to death, things to mortify, and we also need to get rid of some things in our life. So the bottom line is this. Once we are saved, we're to move out of the old life of sin, and we're now to put on the new life in Christ. And so the Bible says that once we're born again, once we claim Christ as our Savior, we're to live it out every day in a practical way. So Paul says in verse 8, we've got to deal with all sexual immorality. It doesn't matter what it is. But he also says we have to deal with the way we talk. God's concerned about our speech. Because normally what we're talking about here is misused anger that spills over into evil speech. The Bible says, watch what you say. And then verses 9 and 10, Paul begins to address some things we're to put off and put on. Look again in verse 9, Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And having put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. How many know if you're born again, God has made you new. He's created you new. And so having already dealt with blasphemy and further communication, Paul says there's one other thing you need to watch. Verse 9, lie not one to another. 
do not lie. Now, I hope that you're mature enough in your walk with God that you know that the Bible teaches very clearly that lying is a sin. It is a sin. And lying displeases God. In fact, the very first sin recorded in the Bible involves a lie that was told to Eve. Genesis 3, look at verse 4 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Isn't that how Satan works? He began to question God. He began to put doubt into Eve's mind. And he said, did God really say, did he really say that? And Satan said to Eve, you're not going to die. But the reason God told you not to do that is because he knows that your eyes will be open and you'll be like the other, all the gods and you'll know good from evil. Now, how many would agree that when Adam and Eve sinned, they began to know things they wish they didn't know? All because of the lie of the devil. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he condemned lying. Exodus 20, verse 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Don't lie. In the early church, Barnabas had sold some of his possessions and he divided among the church there in Jerusalem. And there was a couple in the church that saw what he had done and, and how people patted him on the back and all the good accolades that Barnabas got. And they thought, we're going to sell some of our property and we're going to give it to the church. We're going to divide it among the church, among the brothers and sisters. But the problem was, they lied about their donation. And they did it hoping to make themselves look more generous than they really were. Look what Peter says in verse 3 of Acts 5. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? How many know Satan's the father of lies? Now, by the way, Peter called the hand of Ananias. But my friend, God's judgment was even sterner. If you read the rest of the chapter of Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira both died because they lied to God. The Bible also says that lying is an abomination to the, to the Lord. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. How many want to be God's delight this morning? Amen. How many want God to delight in our lives? Yes, amen. And if we're going to do that, we cannot be caught up in lying. God does not like lying. The Bible also says 
that the lawless people are the ones who practice lying. First Timothy nine verses. First uh, Timothy one. I'm sorry. Verse nine through eleven. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless, insubordinate, the ungodly, for sinners, unholy, profane, murderers, fathers and murder, mothers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, fornicators, sodomites, kidnappers, also for liars, for perjurers, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Now I look at that list. Fornicators, sodomites, murderers. And the Bible lists liars in that list. So it's the lawless who practice lying. The Bible says that liars will be judged. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and notice this, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wow. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I died with Christ. And I may, if Christ, if God tarries, I may experience a physical death here. But thank God, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I will never experience a second death. But the Bible says, liars will have their part in the lake of fire. The Bible also says that God never lies. In hope of eternal life, with God that cannot lie, aren't you glad he can't? Promised before the world began. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He has said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? The answer is yes, he will. God simply cannot lie. So what is a liar? A liar is a person who makes a statement that deviates from or perverts the truth. And the person intentionally violates the truth with the intent to deceive someone. And by the way, lying is not always with a spoken word. It's not always what we say that makes us a liar. Because the bottom line is, if we are living a deceitful lifestyle, that's a lie. Same as a false word. Jeremiah 23, look at verse 14. I have seen also in the prophets in Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery. Notice this. They walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers. That none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Now, if you know anything about the prophet Jeremiah, he lived in wicked times in Judah. And there were a lot of prophets in that time, in that era, even in Jerusalem. But the majority of them were false prophets. They pretended to be God, but God says, I see your lifestyle. And you're like Sodom and Gomorrah to me. 
But a lie could be other things. It could be a, a vain thing like an idol, Isaiah 59.4. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and they speak lies. They conceive, conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. A lie could be a false system, Romans 3.7. Paul, the apostle, is writing, For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie under the glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Now, just to give you some insight here, what Paul is sort of confessing is that the life of Judaism, he lived for so many years, it was a lie. It was a false system. There was no way, and Paul realized, there was no way he could please God under that false system. But a lie could also be an error. 1 John 2, 21. I have not written to you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. The Bible also says, if you deny the deity of Christ, you're a liar. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So what does that leave us as children of God? The commands are clear. The judgment for lying is clear. And so the Bible calls on us to hate lying. Proverbs 13, 5. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. We're also not only to hate lying, we're to avoid it. Zephaniah three thirteen. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall the deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. God's people should not speak lying. We need to avoid it. We need to hate lying. So what about liars? What are some of the many results? How do you deal with that? First of all, liars will not be permitted to tarry in God's presence. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Good questions. He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Psalm 5, verses 5 and 6. The foolish shall not stand in his sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, that means lying, and will abhor, and the Lord will abhor the bloody, and notice this, the deceitful man. Let me take a breath for a moment here, okay? Got a lot of verses. Don't raise your hand. Do you know a liar? fellow I used to work with, 
uh, he would actually run a mile to tell a lie. And uh, we were talking one day, and and several of us, and somebody said something about how he lied, and they said, well, it's hard to tell when he's lying. I said, no, it's not. I can tell every time when he's lying. And they said, well, how do you know? I said, watch his lips. If they move, he's lying. <laughs> and there are people like that. Now, a lot of times he just did it sort of in a joking way, you know, just telling us whatever it might be, and in good and fun. But, you know, if you know somebody who really is a liar, we don't put confidence in that person. We don't. The Bible says in Psalm 40, verse 4, Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust and respects not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. We are not to have any confidence in him. And you can't have confidence in a liar. Also, we shouldn't associate with him. Psalm 101, verse 7. He that works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that lies, telleth lies, shall not tarry in my sight. And we ought to pray to be delivered from lying. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Now, there may come a time that we need to confront liars and expose them. We're not going to read the verses, but in Acts chapter 5, in the first 11 verses, that happens. We know that there were some godly people who lied. And I have no excuse for them because they have no excuse. Abraham lied two different occasions. His son Isaac followed his dad's example. Jacob was known as a liar. Part of his name, what his name meant. Uh, the Hebrew midwives lied. King David lied. But please understand, because some people in the Word of God did it, doesn't mean God is pleased with it. And because we're born again, the Bible says, Paul says, we are to stop telling lies. In fact, I'm going to skip quite a few verses this morning. The bottom line is, if you're a child of God, we're to be people of truth. We are to be people of truth. Having done business with the public for a lot of years, dealing with suppliers of construction materials through the years, A lot of different people got to know me. And those who knew me, if a mistake was made and I caught it, and I would bring it to their attention, their thought was this, and they knew me very well, if he's saying it's so, it's so. If he said this about that, we know that he doesn't lie. Now, am I saying I never told a lie? Of course not. If I said I never told a lie, guess what I just did? I just lied, right? John fourteen six. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no man comes to the Father but by me. Folks, our Savior is truth. We need to be people of truth. Amen. We're not going to have a song of invitation. We've got something else to do today before I forget. Not that I'd forget anything. Several months ago, or several weeks ago now, not months, quite, not quite months yet. Several months ago, a, a lady began attending our service, and we fall in love with her. And she approached me about taking membership. And I said to her, well, we'd love to have you as a member, but I always think it's important that you know what you're joining. So I gave her a treatise book, and I said, I want you to read it. Now, by the way, let me remind you, if you if I baptize you, it doesn't automatically make you a member of our church. You have to request to become a member, okay? Now, in most Baptist churches, if you're baptized there, you become a member. Uh, and then they never move you off the membership rules, no matter what. But anyway, I said, read the, the treatise book, and if you have any questions, uh, we'll talk about it, and you make a decision. Well, she read it, and she agrees with it. So... I'm asking Janet to come forward right now. Not just yet. Turn around so folks can see you, okay? I, I know who you are. This is Janet Siegfried, and uh, she was just overwhelmed with the love you folks have shown her. Now, for those who don't know, she is hearing impaired. Uh, she doesn't read lips and she doesn't hear, so she uses her phone uh, sometimes to listen to me. And when she gets tired of listening, she turns her phone off. But <laughs> but she is so gracious, and we, uh, we email back and forth a couple times during the week, and uh, we are pleased uh, that she has chosen to take part of our fellowship. And so I told her already, we voted at our last business meeting, uh, contingent on her, her decision to accept her as a member. So today, we're going to offer her the right hand of fellowship. So Brother Rick, if you don't mind, and you and Ruby, can we do Amazing Grace or something? Uh, we'll give you a chance to get up there. As always, I'll let you know ahead of time. About two seconds, right? <laughs> Are we okay with that, Ruby? Is that okay? Okay. So we're going to all stand, and, and I think most of you know Amazing Grace, don't you? And, uh, and I'm, I, I think we, most of us can walk and sing at the same time. So, uh, Brother Rick, whenever you're ready, uh, and Ruben, whenever you're ready, let's go ahead and we'll sing Amazing Grace. And as we're singing, uh, let's all fall down, not fall, file down, okay? Come down front and offer Sister Janet a right hand of fellowship, all right? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Amen. What a day it's been. Amen. Glory to God. I didn't forget communion, and I didn't forget Sister. This is Betrayal Life, donations for the Help Center in Batavia. Going to be there through January. And there's in the bulletin, there's a list of things they need. Uh, any non-perishable item is welcome. Uh, so please make a note of that. So whatever you can do will be greatly appreciated. Uh, no master's men or Lydia ladies tomorrow night. Can be a little bit cold, I think. Uh, what about Focus Wednesday? Okay. We will play that one by ear, depending on how cold it gets. No service tonight, okay, uh, because of the cold weather. So, Lord willing, it'll be 70 in sunshine next Sunday somewhere. Okay? Anything else we need to announce? Folks, thank you for, for, so much for being here. And I know it was cold this morning as well. I should be careful going home. And if we, if we, if we cancel Wednesday night, we'll let everybody know. Uh, through the prayer chain, phone calls, whatever. But right now we are planning on having it, uh, depending it on the weather. If not, let's all bow our heads. Brother Dick Harvey, would you pray for us this morning, brother?